another episode of the Borderlands show. I am your capitalist shopkeeper Mike and this here is our nice Russian fat man with a needle to give you all of your medicine needs. Dan. Dan, how you doing? Not going to lie, I was very <laughs> surprised by intro, but I am here. So Dan, how do you feel that you have uh, replaced Nina out of work and now she's on un unemployment? Um, who's Nina? Uh, that is the, uh, oh. Russian person. For... Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel bad about it at all, because, uh, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a thing, and I think it's in a lot of movies, and a lot of books, and it's in some video games, where there's these things called pointless characters. <laughs> and, uh, and Nina is is definitely useless and i want zed back uh i got some okay well we'll go we'll get there so that's right today we are talking about where i'm very sure what's gonna end up on our list uh borderlands the pre-sequel during our borderlands show but it's our podcast leading up to the release of borderlands 3 uh so after this that's right we only have one more episode leading into 3, which will be very intriguing, I think, because they're the most different games. But this game is Borderlands, the pre-sequel. As before, um, we'll go over some initial facts. It has, the, as we talked about, the series has sold 43 million units, which is very respectable. Uh, people estimate that the pre-sequel has sold around 10 million units. The catch with that number is, is it includes the sale, the people think it includes the sales of the Handsome Jack collection, which is around 5 million. So it's very hard to get actual numbers for this game. Uh, this game was released in 2014. Here's the fucking kicker, though. They released it on less-gen consoles a year after the current-gen came out, for some odd reason. Uh, it was made by 2K Australia, which I think was made literally to do this game. Like, it still exists, but I think this was their first game, and published by 2K Games. Holy shit. Dan... Before we get into it, what is your, like, thousand-foot line-level thoughts of this game? Oh, spaghetti -um. Shit. There we go. That's fine. I, Website. I, I literally just asked the question, so you're good. I just ask it again. Okay, so we'll tee it up with you asking the question. Um, action. Uh, <laughs> so, Dan. Basically, oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, let's tee it off with you <laughs> asking the question first. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So, Dan, what are your, like, a thousand foot level thoughts of Borderlands the pre sequel? At, at its simplest. And at its, at its least detailed, the game is uh, objectively not good. So this is a very interesting thing for me because I remember coming out of it being like, I don't remember it being that bad. Then for the show, I reloaded the game, poked at it a bit. And like stuff I remember like somewhat liking, especially after playing 2, are just as bad. Yeah, and... There's things about it that, like, when you look at the game and, like, you start playing it immediately, you're going to think, oh, this is Borderlands 2 with a new story. Which I'm like, great, on paper, I'm okay with that. It's basically big DLC. Yeah, but it's just done in in a way that j everything feels forced and it feels like the people that made it are just like trying to force you to play it as opposed to you going in and playing it for your own enjoyment. So, so let's, let's, I think this is a story of this game. I think on paper, it's a very interesting idea of how basically the resistance captured Athena and it's her kind of telling the story of it. The issue to me is, and this is what falls apart is when you're not playing as Athena, that makes no fucking sense. 
Yep, that is 100% correct. Like, if I play as Athena, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that was definitely a pretty major flaw, because in no other Borderlands game was the story kind of character-specific. And I think that you could make an argument that even though it was told from the perspective of Athena, that playing as the other characters, you know, really didn't affect anything too crazy, but it does make the story at some point seem just a little awkward. So the thing I, I'll give props with, I like how when you do each of the new game plus, like, she start, she actually, it's actually reflected in dialogue, though. Like, literally, the third playthrough is you telling the story to different characters, so then they interject. Like, I like those little details of it. Mm-hmm. But oh, it, yeah, for sure. But, like, until you get to the end of, like, it explaining the tea up for Borderlands 3, there are little moments I go, okay, Jack's Rice Power is cool, but, like, there are, the, there are still times you go, this feels stretching it, even in this universe. Right. And, and I think the other thing, too, is that, I, I mean, from the perspective of the story, we get that Athena is really the only one out of that group who doesn't want to be there. Which, except for Claptrap. I was about to say, who knows? It's Claptrap, which is another one of, what? But, um, but y- even though, like, y- you don't get that feel if you're playing as one of the other characters, because it's like you're doing it and everything you do is like, oh, hey, you're on Jack's side and you're supposed to be, and like, woohoo, go Jack. And then, until the end of it, when she walks away from everything, and then it's like, the other the other characters stay, I feel like it's just not as impactful mm. for characters. It's very intriguing. I like the thing, though, that um, you do figure out Claptrap's hatred of Jack, though, because he kills all the Claptraps, which I think is funny as fuck. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, I, I will admit that that DLC um, <laughs> is, uh, is definitely one of one of the few, um, but it's probably the better one of, of the pair. Yeah. Okay, so I think let's start into how we kind of always do is, let's talk about the characters. Yep. So there are four main characters and two more DLC, DLC characters on this list. I did not know one of them existed, so this is going to be fun. <laughs> uh, I think let's start with, as we talked about her to begin with, Athena. So, the thing with this game, which I think is interesting, I think was a cool move, is every single one of the four main characters is someone we knew from the universe, which is a cool little, like, shtick. Right. Athena, to me, is, on paper, I think should be my favorite from a gameplay point of view, but the shield is a cool concept, but I feel like falls flat very quickly and it starts to be like feel like a weaker blood wing very quickly i i kind of agree exactly i was gonna say pretty much the same thing that like i feel like she should be my first favorite but she's actually my second um she's just uh yeah like you said there's just i feel like her class isn't very unique and i feel like it just isn't totally developed because it feels like you had someone like i want to say it's almost like zero meets accident yeah, yeah, kind of in a way. It's I would a, agree. It's assassin meets a, sho- a soldier because I can't agree which it is. Yeah, and it's like, like I said, it's really not. It's really not its own class. Like, there's definitely elements that, that you can tell it's taking from like, some previous classes, and in in that, I think it's safe to say that it's also just. It, you're. It's just not as powerful as you think that Athena who every last person in Atlas mm-hmm. uh, should be. Yeah, it's also very interesting because she is Atlas. It's this very interesting thing of, like, of this, like, you kind of want to just be like, you should just be this OP thing to begin. And that's also, I think, part of the problem. I think we'll get into this, too, is her especially, on paper, should be OP because at this point in the world, you've already met her as this assassin. And it's not like someone like Wilhelm, where it's being built in the story. When she's met at this point, she already is that assassin. Yeah, she is, you know, one of the most dangerous people ever, and she's been on this mission to eliminate people from Atlas. So you're right. I think that, and and I, and I get it because it, you know it's a game, and you have to you know grow your character. It just she doesn't ever feel as strong as she seems in Borderlands One, and then subsequently Tales of the Borderlands. Mm-hmm. 
Which is, again, both those things take place before, like, the... So, actually, no. So, it's... Tales, as we get to, takes place... Like, that's how we get her telling the story. But, like, one takes place before all of this. Which is, again, you're like, how? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's cool that they kind of at least tie in some of the aspects of one Mm -hmm. uh, into it. Because it's, um... Well, I mean, not to get too much into the story, because it's not really what we're talking about now, but... You get basically the build up for two, mm-hmm. and you kind of see, or, or you know, the Roland and Lilith doing in the between section, and how do we get to know some of these characters that just appeared in the second one? Do you mean how like the part where Roland and Lilith are in the bar for no fucking reason? Uh, it's like, oh hey, we're just on vacation. It's like, okay, maybe a cop out, but fine, I get it. That was a cop out. I don't know what defending you're doing there. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it just. It gives you some type of justification that, like, okay, the, they just did something major in Borderlands 1, or a couple of major things, um, including DLC. And so now it's like, well, they're still around, but they're not doing, they're not off on their own adventure. Like, you're not missing anything by not playing as them. Yeah. I know. It's just, also, like, to me, I feel like, so I have a skill chip when we were talking. To me, it's... The best you see of her, though, starts to become stuff like, her, I think her best skill tree is, um, it's Hades Shackles is the, is the lead skill, which is the, like, shock, it does, like, a tether shock. But my issue is, like, all this stuff, it's, like, because it's tied to this shield, which is this small object, it inherently cannot feel superpowered without feel busted. So it's, this, yeah, it's, that. so it's this very oh. interesting thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think we could go on forever about 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 why she should be good and why she just isn't. Okay. So then on that note, then, the next one. Now, this is the one I think is a very interesting pick in the game, is Nisha. Yes. <laughs> the Lawbringer. I, I really like Nisha. I don't think she's my favorite character. I think the thing that I like most about her is just that she was just kind of this mysterious character in Borderlands 2. Like you had her for like five missions level mysterious. It was like, oh, hey, you're... And she's super like confrontational and just like super like old western, old western lawbringer, you know? Mm-hmm. So kind of seeing her... As a, as a character and getting and getting to watch like oh how did she get here I think that was my favorite part about the character not actually playing her see it's, so this I want to say the interesting thing she is what the gunzerker I think should have been because <laughs> her gun based ability matters oh yeah I honestly when it comes to abilities I think hers is one of the better ones just because like I mean especially if you rock with like a, a pistol class like a revolver oh dude you can just tear shit up. Mm-hmm. It's, she's, I like it. She's a very quick one. I, she's very much the DPS of the group. She just does very quick damage in a nice spread, I think. So it's decent crowd control also. And, like, it is just fun to just be like, and we're going into freaking showdown. Because you freaking can just shoot everything unlimited. Yeah, and I mean, it's... It's really satisfying, and it also is effective when you're fighting a boss, which is something that in Borderlands 1 we talked about having these abilities that were useless against bosses, and so mm-hmm. um, I think that's something to highlight too, and and uh, like I said, she's my favorite character to play as uh, in the game, but her ability is definitely, I think, uh, something that makes her a worthwhile character to play. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go now, I think... This is going to be interesting. This is where I think we split to my favorite of the characters, which is Wilhelm. So I... Um, yeah? <laughs> uh, no, I would agree. Keep going with your name. So Wilhelm, freaking wolf and saint, is I think such a fun idea of this double drone. And I think it's... I think there's a couple of these Wilhelm I think is very interesting. I like how there's a skill tree for each of them. So you kind of have to decide which drone do you like more. And I, the thing I love about Wilhelm is the... You actively see him become a cyborg because the whole power structure of him is you're actually augmenting him as he levels up, which I think is such a cool idea. Yeah, I would, I would agree that his 
that uh, his character is is super unique in that sense, and um, uh, I also think it makes sense. I, I swear it was in the pre sequel. Could be wrong, but there's at some point when they talk about him, those like little audio diaries that you pick up along the way, mm -hmm. where it talks about him like, oh, he would be a really good recruit. However, you know, you risk him becoming more machine than man. Mm -hmm. I think that yeah, it's, that kind of as you're playing it and you see that it kind of alludes to this whole, you know, customization. So as you are growing your character, you know, you really are kind of fulfilling that prophecy mm -hmm. if if you'll call it that you know it's but it's i like how they actually did the visual representation because when you get the character you're like is this really the same world my face is a boss because he's this very calm like basically a soldier i also find it funny that in this game i chose the soldier and i did it but <laughs> i think i have a pretty good reason for not doing it oh god damn it okay dan tell us about the little fucker that you chose. I think the reason Claptrap is my favorite character. I'm sorry, his name's not Claptrap. I think his his Fragtrap. Right, it's Fragtrap. <laughs> it is a uh, you know F R four G T P. Into it. Um, but I think the reason he's my favorite character, and it's not because he has abilities. He has a single ability that is awesome. But I think his ability captures the entire feel of the Borderlands series. So explain I mean, in simple terms what his ability is. Okay, so it's random. <laughs> you press, you activate it, and if the game takes, um, I don't know, it's like a dozen factors or something like that, from just reloaded to low health to facing a boss or a badass to multiplayer, all these different factors... And then it will get the ability based on those situations. But it's not the ability. It's literally, <laughs> like, it's almost the ability of the people you know, but then it's not. Yes. I mean, I think, I, I, like I say, I, th I think it captures the Borderlands series so well because you can have one where you turn into a rubber ducky. <laughs> and you bounce, and you can't control your bouncing, and but you deflect bullets, and they hit enemies. You deflect every single bullet. And then there's another one where you literally turn into a pirate ship. Mm -hmm. And, oh my god, when you're playing multiplayer, and you see him turn into a pirate ship, and just start shooting cannonballs that just decimate mm -hmm. everybody. Just like one of those, like, ah, that's pretty cool. Um, but then you're right, he also has the, he has a bit of everybody's ability, like, uh, Nisha's ability, but instead of being able to c control it, you just shoot all of your bullets in one shot. Mm-hmm. Soldier's ability, but he throws a mini turret. <laughs> um, he has Zero's ability, but he just turns invisible. That's it, that's it, yeah. Oh, you're forgetting <laughs> so the part, like... you're forgetting the best part of his ability if you're playing co-op. Everyone gets whatever you did. Yep, that's true. That's true as well. Which is, I mean, the worst. It is actually the worst in a boss fight. You're like, why the fuck can't I shoot? Oh, not not to get off on a tangent. I know we're going to talk about DLCs shortly. Um, but there is a trophy in the like Coliseum-based DLC. Mm -hmm. Where you have to complete like the hardest round without going in to fight for your life super hard the final round of that playing is claptrap and um i had i think enemies that were across the map but i was super low health so i used my ability to get health back because it fills your health instantly mm -hmm. i got the one ability that i that i i could not deal with and it is one where you spawn a giant bomb. <laughs> and if you don't kill an enemy with the bomb, you kill yourself. <laughs> Naturally, to get that ability, you can't sprint. And you can't double jump. So I was 
running as fast as I can to the other side of the map where these four enemies are, and I didn't make it, and I had to restart the whole damn thing. God. That's the risk that you take when you play Claptrap. That is the risk you play as well as Claptrap. Also, Claptrap size is actually reflected, which I think is entertaining as hell. Oh yeah, you're shorter than everybody. And like, it's not like you're shorter. Oh, you know you're shorter. I mean, like, you'll come up to a bandit <laughs> and you gotta look up at him to punch him in the face. Like, you, I literally, I was like, I forgot I, I turned on my playthrough with Claptrap and I was literally like, is the camera broken? I was like, oh, right. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's it's accurate. If I remember right, there are moments where there's claptrap doors even for his side, and it's the same thing. It's just you can just walk through them. And he really does have like, I mean, he is special. I like you said. There's these little doors that like, if a normal character has to crouch to go through, and he just can roll through them. Mm -hmm. Um, the whole not having to deal with oxygen. Yep, I figured we were gonna have to talk about that. So, oxygen in this game. Which, the whole idea is, you're on the moon, so you you have oxygen, and you have these oxygen pods. And then basically you gotta recharge them over time, whether in an oxygen area or stuff. And also the big thing to oxygen is you can use it to, like, do butt slams, which of course you can. Yep. But, Claptrap breaks oxygen to a whole nother level. Yeah, uh, he's a robot, so they don't breathe there. But, like, to me, what I don't understand is, you make this mechanic, which is, like, all the other characters are stressed as fuck. And then there's Claptrap, who goes, what? Yeah, and honestly, my first playthrough ever in that game, I was Claptrap. Oh, yeah, and I wasn't. And I was like, oxygen, and you're like, you mean the butt slam? Uh, yeah, you were <laughs> complaining to me one night when we were playing it, and I was like, Dude, what are you talking about? It's not a big deal. <laughs> and then I, like, the next playthrough I switched to, I'm pretty sure it was Nisha or something. And I was like, dude, oxygen sucks. <laughs> yeah. You have to pay attention to, like, where things are and find the, you know, the little pods to turn on and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. it's totally, I mean, like you said, it, it, it is literally, I mean, Claptrap is the game an extent on easy mode as we as we have said in the past yeah but so i just i don't know how i feel about the idea that you make a mechanic and you have four characters and you let one of them just not you use the mechanic well and that's kind of like what i said before i think that the claptrap character is the is the epitome of borderlands it is it's chaos it is just these all these ridiculous things and then it's also the epitome of claptrap it's he does things all the time that make you want to hate him, but then there's also times where you're like, absolutely 100% needed him, and he did this completely right. Mm -hmm. So, speaking of absolute chaos, the the first DLC character we need to talk about, I, st I this is the character I feel I would have just chucked Athena out the window and just made this character a main character. Jack the doppelganger it's literally jack doppelganger that you kill in borderlands 2 you get to play as here that's something honestly i didn't even notice right away <laughs> and then i think i was watching some youtube video with some guy doing a playthrough in it and i was like oh yeah i did kill that him sense. so and so that's kind of cool too, you know. Just I like the cool thing stuff. of when you when you meet handsome Jack ever as Jack, he just compliments you. <laughs> yeah, you literally just go back and forth complimenting. That's what it is. So the whole also I like about this too. His ability is you make a new Jack. <laughs> which which I like the thing of it's actually like taking your life points away because you remove your health and give it to the new Jack. It's um, it's definitely an interesting concept. Um, there's times when I thought it was super helpful, and there's times I also thought it was pretty, pretty upsetting. So, I, I haven't noticed the rest of them, but I need to talk about there. You know, there's three skill trees always, right? So the names of these skill trees we need to talk about. Okay, skill tree number one is called 
the hero of the story. The end point of it is, you have a 33% chance of making a badass Digijack. Uh, number two is, for the greater good, it's when a Digijack dies, it gives you a second wind. <laughs> okay? Cool. And my favorite one, Free Enterprised. The name of the final skill is called Sponsored By, and then there's a list of every single gun that you get a bonus of if you have that, like, gun. <laughs> Which I think's the best thing in the world. <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I want to go... <laughs> this is the part of the game that kills me. I want to go back and play Jack more, because I, I just kind of, like, played him to get the kind of gist of his character. And I think he seems really, really cool, but... I really don't want to play it again. So I'm going to start listing you the names of the free enterprise perks, and I think you're going to appreciate this. Some of my favorites, okay? Incentives has to do with fire weight. Marginal benefits has to do with when you throw a grenade, you naturally load all of your guns. Compound interest is about the more you shoot guys, the more damage you do. <laughs> a merger... <laughs> Is you shoot lasers from your wrist. <laughs> Taxation of trade routes. <laughs> is it gives you extra fire, right? <laughs> Supply and demand. It's about the less health you have, the more you generate it. Like, I, I feel like Jack, they found a way to just put so much care into and just made it work. Which is why it's so sad he was a DLC character. Honestly... That sounds hilarious. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever really paid attention to either that skill tree or what the name is of Lamar, but... Like, every single yeah, one of his I things are... Every single one of his things are straight business puns for every single one of his perks. And I think that sums up Jack's character beautifully, <laughs> at least at this point in the story. Yeah. And then we are going on to the other one. Who this is a character I did not know exist. Apparently the other DLC character is Ariel the Baroness, who is the sister of Hammerlock. Um it's interesting that you said you didn't know that she existed because I've never played as her. And uh I really know absolutely nothing about her. That's why I was curious if you knew anything about her, because I saw this because I was going through the stuff of the show and I was like I don't know who the hell this is. Yeah, I, I've seen her when I was, like, choosing characters and stuff, but, yeah, I've never, never played as her. I have really no idea what she's about, and I did definitely didn't know that she was related to Hammerlock. It's so her, her, her thing is cold as ice, and you throw a frost diamond shard that's heat-seeking, and it does cryo... cryo the... Cryo damage, which is the the other thing we didn't talk about. This is cryo damage, which is the new, uh, like elemental type in this game. Oh yes, okay. But again, it's she was apparently like a a bit out DLC character that yeah I don't think I ever touched. Yeah, it's just it's it's just not very appealing. I don't know. She seems she seems again kind of just like one of these. Like, like a lot of other portions of the game where it, she just it doesn't seem useful. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, our, our, our part of the thing is, I'm curious to come up with stuff, our favorite moment of this game. So the thing I stick with is, um, I don't know how great the entire package was, but I kind of like, the, the rise of Jack, as much as I complain about the points, I feel like it's a very interesting thing to get into more. Like, it always is in, like, these kind of things. And I think it was very fun to, like, different things about, like, how many people he's willing to backstab. And he's like, don't worry, you're my friend, I'm not backstabbing you. He needs to backstab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do... I really, really, I do think that the that the best part of this of this game is the fact that you do get access to this uh, sort of behind the scenes story. Mm -hmm. You know, 
and 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 I think it the story well, and I think it makes the story cool if in a very roundabout kind of way. Yeah, I do. I like the whole thing of it. And as we'll get into the next episode, I do like the whole like when you realize and you put in Tales of Bullions into it actually makes sense, like how Athena's captioned. Timeline wise, you, you like when I first realized, I was like, wait a second, all of these are connected. Mm. Yeah, it definitely. And now, I, after I make the statement, I'm going to post you a question. Okay. And I want to see if you have an answer to it because I certainly don't. So I, I like that it, that it ties everything together, and uh, and like you like you said, kind of answers some of the questions that we might have had after Borderlands Two, and especially um, if we played the pre sequel. And you're very confused by the intro because you hadn't played Tales from the Borderlands yet. <laughs> Question though, yeah, is at the end end of the game, after Athena tells the story, Lilith gives the order to execute Athena. Mm-hmm. And there's this guardian that comes up and is like, no, 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 yeah, what about him? And and then everybody's like, oh, okay, well, obviously something big is coming. And so, the new DLC for Borderlands Two. Are you implying they retconned that scene out of existence? <laughs> All I'm saying is Athena. Never made it out of Sanctuary, and I have reason to believe she might have still been tied to that pole. <laughs> like, you're implying it was five minutes later and they all forgot she existed? I'm just... I'm confused. That That is all, because I saw no Athena in that DLC, and there was no... Nobody even acknowledged the fact that there was a Guardian that just appeared to him and said this stuff. It was like, we're gonna go on an adventure. But and nobody was like... <laughs> what are you doing, or what about that dude? But the, here's the thing, though. Why would they let Athena free? She tried to kill them. Oh, and and see, that's my whole thing. Is the if a guardian comes up to you and and says, "Hey, you need to, you need all the help you can get." But you said, but how many guardians did they kill? But like, think about how many guardians you had to kill to get to the goddamn destroyer. And that's pretty true as well. I mean, I mean, I, I think that... Uh, like, if they wanted you know, to, they could have just had Maya appear out of nowhere, just freeze the fucker, and they all could have just gone on with their life. Yeah. I, I tell you what, man, I mean, there's just some money. <laughs> that whole ending scene... Wait, wait, I like how we have not talked about yet how the entire game also takes place while half of them are, like talking to Athena, right? And the other half of them are playing D&D downstairs. Yes. Which, that's the part of the timeline that when I realized that, like, blew my fucking mind. Because it's, it's, okay, I want to talk about Tales, because I have to, like, talk about this timeline, it's literally how they tied together, I think, is some level of genius and hadn't been planned. It's, in Tales, Brick captures Athena. Then this game starts with Athena talking about, with Brick there, Compl- like, the Tomahawks are being captured, and then that you realize that downstairs, they're playing D&D, because later the heroes come up saying, hell, sorry, we're playing a game downstairs, and they're the characters from 2. Yeah, no, I mean, it's like, there's literally everything up to that ending moment is, is tied <laughs> in so perfectly, and it is like, it does give, like, justification for, like, everything else that has happened thus far in the, in the series. Mm-hmm. Don't understand <laughs> what happened between the new DLC and the end of the pre-sequel. What, what don't you understand? But, like, so you say Where this. Where did Athena go? You say this. Why did everybody just decide, like, when Sanctuary was kidnapped by, you know, General... Lot. See, but to me, I don't think this was five minutes part. I think there's a time jump here. Because if you look at it now versus then, Brick is talking to them. At the beginning of that DLC, Brick and Mordecai do not want anything to do with Lilith. Okay. And that's why okay. I think there's an actual time jump. Don't get me wrong. I think they killed Athena when the Guardians stopped looking. But I think there was a time jump. <laughs> Alright, you're selling me. Maybe I could consider that possible. Maybe? 
I just feel like, like, like when when the when a game ends on a cliffhanger like that, I expect an answer. Do you mean they shouldn't? You mean they shouldn't tease a game for five years fucking later? I mean, excuse me. Well, it was disgusting. <laughs> Do whatever you want when it comes to making your game time wise. Okay, I'm not. I get it. I. I mean, I want them to make the best product. I'm not gonna rush them, unless it gets ridiculous. <laughs> okay, five years get to the point you go. Define ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was about like at four years. I was like, okay, maybe we've been waiting. You mean when it was like when they wouldn't say the word Fallout Four, even though everyone actively knew it was existing forever, and everyone's like, we know this game is real. We literally there are social media posts of people following Bethesda photographers in Boston. We know this exists. <laughs> So, but anyway, I digress. Point is, that game left a weird taste in my mouth because I expected there to be something in the new DLC that hinted at least what the hell that ending was all about. Mm-hmm. That, and I'm really hoping that come Borderlands Three, I get a little bit of something there. Otherwise, to me, that ending was totally useless. You want a little something, some? Yeah, I mean, I need to know what happened to Athena, and I need to know why a guardian just showed up at Sanctuary and said everybody, they said, you need all the help you can get. So to because... me, it would make so much more sense if they planned this far ahead and retconned all of this stuff so it wasn't at Sanctuary, and that entire storyline made sense after, like, they got the key, and it was, like, at the end of that DLC. Mm-hmm. That'd make oh, yeah. so much more sense. 100%. Because it, it so breaks. Because the thing is, basically, it, they had to have retconned it like it didn't exist. Because basically, to me, it's the Guardian saying there's other stuff, comparatively to at the end of the DLC when they realized there's other stuff. Like, which which was the one that told them there's multiple vaults. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, no. Wait, wait, we're wrong. We're both wrong. At the beginning of the DLC, they talk about how the vault key showed them the map. She got the map. The map is the end of two, and the Guardian explained about the other vaults, too. Oh, so what, you, so what you're saying is that between the end of the pre-sequel and the start of the new DLC, the Guardian explained to them, like, the map and how to make use of it. Kind of, yeah. Because think about it. They, they, they heard of the map, but they saw the map at two, and then the Guardian kind of talked about how there's vaults in other worlds. They never said the word the time, other world, too. Right. Okay. Okay. See, with, with thinking this through, it, it's starting to make some sense, but still, what happened to Athena? Because that, that one still isn't answered. And like I said, I'm convinced that he was still tied to that pole when General Plancelot made it. You, so you think that it was, he, she's just, she, do, you think, do you think he like took her over or do you think he killed her? I think she just probably died in the crossfire, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, either way, I I mean, and this is something else, too. I don't really think we had an answer of what happened to all the people that were turned into those, like, plant zombies. Mm Mm-hmm. If we know that there was a cure made for Mordecai, and we know that we stopped the major spread of all of that stuff, by killing Sanctuary. Like, yeah. Like, who, who had this? All the bandits and stuff that were infected? Like, or are they just now perpetual? Is there now just perpetual? Also, I like, how, I like how there was a world where, like, Sanctuary at the beginning of 2 had a lot of people. Then, like, massacre happened and we lost 10 people. Now there's, like, 5 people who's ever lived in Sanctuary. Everyone who's ever lived in the town has fucking been murdered. That's true. Like, true. like, I'm just gonna say it. You might agree with the Crimson Raiders. Do not live with them. They, uh, they're the worst they, roommates. And they seem to run into a lot of people trying to destroy their city and kill their people. Like, don't get me wrong. Maybe be on their side. But maybe don't live with them. Yeah, maybe just, like, you know, get a camp somewhere in the outskirts. And then, you know, you avoid getting blown up by space mortars or turned into a plant zombie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, we got way off topic here. Because do you know why, Dan? Because I can't think of another good fucking moment in Borderlands the pre-sequel. That's the problem with this game. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one other really good moment is in that game. 
Um, Please tell me it's the girl who was trying to convince her sister she killed herself. Uh, no. Because <laughs> that's a decent but, mission. But that one is kind of interesting. Um, no, what I did like about this game was there's the uh, the grinder. Oh, right. That is, like, my favorite thing about the game. Because there's so many times that, like... I mean, I don't know about you, but in Borderlands 2, I never threw away any of my legendary loot. Because why would you? It comes to a point where it's like, well, I'm never going to use this level 22 gun anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's a legendary. And it's like, oh, I could throw into a grinder create something a little bit better mm-hmm. and to me i think that and just just in general you know like oh, i got three purple sniper rifles if i can make something better it was interesting how they like i like the way they balanced it to make sure that you wouldn't get worse which i think was a good move because the issue with a lot of games is half time you could like put a good and a bad thing in there and they're like there's a chance it'll be worse Um, but no, I mean, I, instead of selling a majority of my loot, I think I would sell like the green and the white ones, but everything above that, I would go and I would take to a grinder and I would try to get something better than what I had. Mm. And so, I don't know. I, that part, I, I really, really enjoyed about that game. Also, that world, that, that, that town is not sanctuary. And that's what's so upsetting. That town is just so confusing. <laughs> And don't have your hub city have, like, a death pit where you just happen to jump into because everything's on fucking little islands. Oh, I would agree with that one. (laughs) The other thing, just speaking of the town being confusing, um, every map in that game is confusing. (laughs) Because every map has to have elevation because you could jump because it was jump pads. And also every, and the maps were never made to explain elevation well also... (laughs) And it's just, there's, I feel like, in Bo- even in Borderlands 1, they had this down, where you get missions, and they make sense with the areas you go into, right? Mm-hmm. You start off in Firestone, then you get out of Firestone, then you go into the Bandit Hub nearby, then you go into this place, you know, the second area off to the left, then you discover further out in Firestone, like... Everything, every mission you get makes sense, and you're rarely forced to go back to a place that you wouldn't want to explore again twice. Also, the thing that I've always complimented Borderlands for as a whole, which is nothing this game fails at, is when they have you enter a dungeon, the map just naturally puts you at an exit point without you having to backtrack, without you realizing you're doing a circle. Exactly. This game, it makes you run around so needlessly it's like they're forced they're trying to make you explore the map which i get it a lot of games do it and i think it's something that should games should do but it is in no way natural and it is just frustrating like the whole idea is like level design back end for you it's like if i have you going on a tunnel system i should be secretly elevating you at such a like a one degree angle with so many feet that by the time you get to the end of this you're like oh there's an exit i should plop you back the entrance that's smart level design. This game instead gets you to a dead end and goes, now turn around. Yeah. And it's like, oh, hey, you just did this one mission, which I'm going to go on a rant about that in a moment, too. So you just did this mission. Great. Now go pick up this mission. <laughs> the same send place. You back to where you just started <laughs> to send you to the opposite corner to send you back again. Because you can, you always have to go to you know, an X spot to turn in a mission. You can't just turn it in where the mission ends. Which that you know? to me is a very pendant on the mission thing. I understand why you can't do that, but to me you should be giving more than one mission in an area at a given time. Right. And like I said, there's just too many times where I'm forced to go back to an area that I don't want to revisit. Mm-hmm. It's like there's other areas in the game. It's what's that freaking progress through and do the missions there. The thing I hated was towards the end of the game, we had to go through these like a building then you jump head over to, like, another set of buildings, like, in the atmosphere, basically. It was, like, towards... Mm. I, I freaking hated that. And it was, like, ended you getting to, like, the satellite. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That was, like... In the space station. Yeah, it was the most atrocious, like, design I've ever... Like, it's just so tedious and 
so long for no reason. Oh my god, yeah. It's like I get it. The spaceship is big. Don't make me drop it a hundred stories to then climb it up in a different direction. Then, just going back to the thing I was going to say about missions, there is too many times... So, like, Borderlands is known for having ridiculous missions, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think the most this most solid example is in Borderlands 2 when you have to shoot Shooty McShoot in my face. But in only face. in his face. That's not the arm, not the legs. In the face. And it's like, that's a pointless mission. But you get it, and it's just like, what? What's going on? And it's hilarious, and you do it, and then it's like, well, that was fun. But it also lasted 30 seconds, and that's the entire joke. Yeah. This game, I think, tried to recreate that feel from a mission too many times. Mm -hmm. There's so many times where you go on a mission, and it's just, like, pointless. Like, um, there's one that I think of, and it's the basketball one. Didn't you have to, like, play basketball? The butt slam on a hoop. But you had to go through, you know, this whole dialogue between this dude. And then it's like, oh, you, you butt slam the hoop, mission's over. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one where you, in the in the Claptrap DLC, you have to kill a guy in Claptrap system with a corrosive weapon. And he just talks disparagingly. And that's it. And there, I mean, there's plenty of other examples. I, I can't think of any at the moment, but I, if you gave me time, I'd, I'd find them. Where it's just these missions that it's just like you go and you accept them and it's like to a minute later, mission's done. Mm -hmm. I didn't laugh. I gained nothing. Well, experience. Like, the point? You gained experience. Thirteen hundred experience. I'm level fifty-two. It's <laughs> like I don't want that bullshit. <laughs> oh, the other one I'm thinking of. It's also in the Claptrap DLC. You meet one and he's like, and it's the Claptrap is like, let's play Russian roulette. Which gun do you want? And then he picks one and he kills himself. And that's the that's the end of the mission. And it's like, really? That should be okay, that seems to me that sounds funny. I mean, that one it was more comical than some of the other ones, but the fact that there's three missions that I can cite that are like that, mm -hmm. to me that's just that's too many. It's like in Borderlands 2 there was shoot Judy McShoot face. Or whatever his name was. Mm -hmm. And the only mission that I can think of that was like 30 seconds. Um, what about what about the sheriff and one of the five suspects? Or do you define that's oh, yeah, better okay, because there's there's more to do? But I guess the only thing with that one is you could do more than 30 seconds. You're choosing to make it 30 seconds. Yeah, and you also got a really sick gun from that. Also, I have never gone it correct ever. It's always the dude with the sniper rifle. Which is, I always go for the dude who has lost someone's health. I do that. Uh, that was my first one too. And then, if you go and you talk to everybody, you just figure out that it had to be somebody from a distance who didn't have a shield. And it's always the guy with the sniper rifle. So next time you play it, remember that. Uh huh. Okay. So we have yet to talk about them. So I think we'll start talking about these relatively quick. There's not much to talk about. So there's three pieces of DLC in this game. Uh, the first one, which is the one I don't think I've played that much, is going to be more of a you thing. The Hollow Dome Onslaught. Is it literally just Mad Moxies again? Um, yeah, basically. It's a it's a smaller version of it. And um, basically what it is, is it's told from... It's like Athena telling the story again. But it's just like like super abridged. And it's um, Axton and... Interface Gage. Okay. And so, yeah, it's basically just like a holodome facing waves of enemies but it's way 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 easier like you could do the hardest round in like first okay and then there's just to make it go along with the story you know it's like oh you have to free the scientists while you do this and then uh, oh you have to destroy you know the evil builder bot or whatever so they're literally so, telling the story again in a quick way why you're doing a thing yeah yeah, with each wave you have to do like a different task that relates to something you did during the story. Mm, okay. Okay, so the next one. The Claptastic Forge. So on paper, what upsets me is this should have stuck with me a lot more. 
But I feel like you're, you're gonna tell me it's great. Go on. Oh, I'm not going to. <laughs> um, there's things that I think are really cool about it. I like glitched weapons. Glitched weapons, I think, are super sick. Mm -hmm. Offers a cool bit of story. But, I don't know. And I think that it's a little bit... I think it's a little bit better developed than the rest of the game. But it's still... If I had to put it in my list of Borderlands DLCs, it would still not be... It probably wouldn't even be in the top, like, six or seven. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's good, but it's not... And there's and there's really good and cool aspects of it, but it's just not top-notch. Mm-hmm. Which is funny, because it's, it's the whole, like, it does the one of the things really well, is it goes, here is a pop culture reference in a movie, let's just make fun of it the entire time and tell the plot. But it just yes. doesn't feel like it just stuck the landing. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I think there's some really cool aspects of it, and I like the idea of it. And I think the whole fact that, you know, you're kind of forcing Claptrap to, you know, it, within the stories to acknowledge that, hey, you know what? And you need to be aware of that. <laughs> um, it, you're right. There's just It just doesn't really hit the mark. And then lastly, the other thing I wrote down here is in the did a DLC was expending the level cap, and that was where there was a bonus Jack mission that basically set it up for Tales of the Borderlands. Kind of like what him as president was and all that is what I wrote down there. So, um, you gone? Uh, actually, I'll be honest. I don't think I've ever even known that that was a thing. Yeah, I was like, I was like literally like a mission, but it was like kind of like this kind of like teeing up like the corporation as a bigger entity. I'm going to have to look into that one, because I don't think I've ever played that before. Okay. So now, first one we got to do, Dan, is we got to rank these games. So currently on our list, Borderlands 2 is number one, and Borderlands is number two. Where, Dan, will we be placing Borderlands the pre-sequel? Well, just based solely on the... Well, you're already typing. <laughs> I don't say anything. It's, it's, it's the worst of, of the series thus far. So I'm going to... I'm gonna go out on record. I bet you it stays here. I would almost care. <laughs> because I am genuinely not sure where Tails is gonna end up on this list, and we don't know what three's gonna end up on this list. But <laughs> if three ends up below the pre sequel, Dan, that's gonna be the most depressing podcast we ever do in our lives. Dude, if Borderlands 3 <laughs> ends up below the pre sequel, I might just give up on video games. <laughs> Just... I'm trying to stay away from the hype of the game, just so, like, if I am disappointed, it won't hurt as badly. <laughs> like, the thing with this game is, it's, part of it is, it's, they use the same tools, same engines, it was obviously a shorter timeline game, but it feels like it was a team trying to learn how to make a game at the same time they were trying to, like, follow up like, what was Borderlands 2, I think, is, like, where the flaws this game really kick in. No, I definitely think that the best way to have handled this game would have been to just make it, like, a long DLC in mm -hmm. Borderlands 2. Um, I think that there, like, there's really good aspects of it. I mean, it really, at its core, it's still a Borderlands game, and there's still some really, really awesome things about that. Mm -hmm. Just so many things about it that every time I go and I play it, it just frustrate me. Having me being frustrated constantly at having to do things like side missions and, like, play the game. <laughs> what are you saying? That shouldn't frustrate you? Just, there's... I want to have fun with a game that I play, and I have fun with the first two, and this one, I just... There's too many times where I find myself not having as much fun. Yeah, there's something to be said that neither of us were, like... Ever like we didn't we didn't love Borderlands One fully at points, but like, I don't think either of us disliked it the same amount we disliked this game. Yeah, I mean, there's like the bad moments in Borderlands One where it's like, you know what? I don't really care for that moment. I don't really need to play this DLC again, or I don't need to do this. Mm -hmm. But I want to play the game again. Mm -hmm. Whereas the pre-sequel, I really wanted to just beat it and put it away, and that be and that be it. But because I have to chase platinums, I got to play it multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like a chore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Dan, this is going to be the tough one. Death of the Playable. 
Who is the playable character you want to chuck into this magic pot? This is a really tough one because I'm torn. I do think, yeah, I do think that this game really brought some other than the DLC characters. I think it really brought some strong characters. And there's aspects of each of them that I really like, which I don't think I could have said in other games. So, I think, so the way I look at this is, I think, it's not fair game in the sense of I'm going to put them on the list, but I, the way I'm looking at this, I think Jack is fair game for us to discuss if it's, like, in the characters we could put on the list. I, I'm going to knock out um, the other, I'm going to knock out the Baroness from the list since neither of us played her enough to say it's a fair fight for us to put her on this. So I think it's between these other five. Um, truth be told, I think if I had to give it to somebody, I would have to give it to Athena. That was, that's who I was leaning to. So I'm, I'm glad we agree on that one. Yeah, I think that she's the least standout character in, in, a, in a group of really standout characters. She, um, it's like, it's, again, it's why I was sticking with, it's, she did it, and this is going to sound real bad, she didn't know her lane, in the sense of what character, type of character is she. And not only that, I feel like because we knew her and her capability from other games, mm -hmm. it was disappointing to not, when you, you know, when you max her out or get close to maxing her out, you don't get a character that's as OP as you, as you think it should be. Like, Warhome, when you max out Warhome... You A, recognize him, and B, literally I just go, Drones, fight! And I just oh, sit yeah. there. He, he becomes a tank. He's like, um, he's like Axton in Borderlands 2. I mean, when you max out those turrets, I mean, you can literally throw them down and do nothing. Mm -hmm. But she just, she doesn't come up to her full potential. I think Wilhelm and Claptrap are just super interesting characters. I think Jack is a character that, like, is just fun as a concept, and I think plays his character real well. And I think we both agree Nisha's power is kind of like what makes her shine. A hundred percent. Couldn't agree more. <sighs> well, so on our list for Death of the Playables, as we forever keep track, is we have Lilith, Krieg, and Athena. Uh, it's a rough list because <laughs> I really want to like all of these characters, but. I just don't. <laughs> and maybe it isn't fair because, like you said, neither of us played the Baroness, and so that could very well have been a worse character, but we can't put it on there if we don't have... Which, so it's going to be fun. Is, so this is going to be real fun. Because for, for, for next time, we're going to talk about Tales of Woodlands. There are only two playable characters in that game. So it's going to be real fun how we arbitrarily choose between them. It's, you see, I've been thinking about this, too, <laughs> I, I definitely know which character I'm going to choose already, and I'm very curious to see which one you're going to choose. Right? So we're going to we're, we're gonna leave it there for next time. Remember, this has been the pre-sequel episode of the Borderlands show. We only have one more episode left before we go into our Borderlands 3 episode. So that's right. So next time, it will be Tales from the Borderlands, developed by the defunct Telltale Games. And again... Think published by 2K. I'm not sure actually if it's technically published by 2K, but it's for sure by Telltale. You could still find this game unlike other Telltale games. It still exists in the ether. We could download it. It is an adventure game, which is what's gonna be real fun and intriguing for us to talk about in a different light. And I'm just gonna go out and say it. It's probably my favorite Telltale game. So it's gonna be very interesting. And as, as somebody who had never played it until a couple of months ago, I'm very excited to talk about it. Because it's, holy shit, something else. Yeah, it was, yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> but yeah, so, remember, this has been the Borderlands Show. It is on the SWW Show feed. You can follow the SWW Show on Twitter, at the SWW Show. You can follow me, at Mikey underscore Maroney. You can follow Dan, at a god on the run. Remember, like... Give us the nice reviews. Subscribe on iTunes. All of that good, good shite. And we will catch you guys next time. Tell your friends. And your mother. Especially your mother. Your grandma. I'd say your great-grandma. I don't know how old you are. Oh. Just, say, tell, just tell your grandparents. Let's leave it at that. Just go up to them. 
go to the side of the bed and scream, watch the SWD show, and just walk away like you never woke them up. And then sneak out of the house because it's probably licked. And then when if they say anything about it, just be like, you know what, Grandma, you're delirious. <laughs> and then you put it in the home. And then watch it at the home. You secretly take all her money. I mean, we, we didn't... Shh, shh. Cut the, next time. cut the show, cut the show. <laughs> this podcast was a product of the SWW Show. You can find more at the SWWshow.com or Facebook.com slash the SWW Store or Twitter.com slash SWW. You can find out more about Mike at Mikey underscore Maroney on Twitter and more about AJ at Locevore on Twitter. Remember, new episodes come out twice a month one focusing on the new entertainment news and one focusing on movie club so new and an old movie you can find out more again at the swwshow.com you can find the show on podcast services around the globe